we are getting so close, so close to um, monkey tennis, I think, coming on TV. Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the How to Raise Money podcast with me, Ray McLennan. And it's with me, Nigel T. Best. Raymondo, dear sir, how the devil are you? Well, the sun is shining, um, and that's about it. (laughs) The sun is shining. shining. In previous podcasts, Nigel, I've spoken about uh, my uh, desire for the demise of the Scottish National Party. because I think when it comes to raising money, Scotland is uh, at the back of the queue and is a bit of a laughing stock at the moment. And as you know, I've not, I've not been the number one pin-up fan of that particular incumbent uh, government up there. And lo and behold, look what's happening. They're imploding all over the place. Um, people being arrested, money gone missing, all sorts of things. And uh, the legacy is out the windy. And um, they've got, uh, well, let, let's just say the First Minister is a bit useless. Um, which is his name, in fact. So he was well named. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's not what happened. Um, why should I be so? About- so Ray, oh. hang on, hang on, Ray. So, so they're the good points. What don't you like about them? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, their inability to create a. Oh God, he's off, folks. He's off. No, no I was just going to say uh, to create uh, an environment for business to thrive. And if business can thrive, then it can raise money. And when they raise money, the, you know, the, the rising tide lifts all boats, as it were. It helps with jobs. It helps with all sorts of things. Um, there was, you a- know, right, right. I don't know if this is uber simplistic, but if if Scotland dropped corporation tax rates below, you know, considerably below um, the, the rest of the UK, you know, that for some of these businesses relocating where they are is is not that difficult it's still spoken english ish mm-hmm. um and uh you know it, it could it could be done and and people could relocate there and it it you know i don't know i, I think there's some Ireland, really Ireland simple a, things they could do but Ireland has a corporation tax rate of 12.5% yeah so and and, um, and where are apple google facebook based Ireland, Ireland. Oh, there you go and and why is um why are the the world's um G seven and all the rest of it wanting to establish a base rate corporation tax rate? Because mm. they they don't like countries like that pulling a fast one as as they see it. But but I mean that has been hugely beneficial to Ireland. Hugely. Well, it hasn't. It hasn't. I mean, it's absolutely massively driven up rents in Dublin, especially for to to ridiculous levels. I mean, ridiculous levels. I lived there for ten years, so I know Dublin very very well. Um, the rents have been dri- driven mad, and that's led to everything right across the board is is crazy. I mean, I, I messaged a friend of mine the other day. There was a, an offer on. He he likes Carlsberg Lager, and there was an offer on of sort of like fifteen cans, you know, massive cans of Carlsberg for a tenner from Tesco or whatever it was. And I sent him the picture, and he he just sent me back an emoji with a man crying in his beer, you know, because he's paying something like seven pounds thirty euro for a pint of Carlsberg. So I couldn't help but divert myself into um, a, a well-known local pub chain 
who's guys of a supporter of Brexit, um, and uh, they do beers for like one seventy nine a pint or something, um, and they're not too bad. So I think it's gone up to one eighty nine. Shock. Uh, so I sent him the receipt for um, a pint of beer and a packet of the crisps, which is like two pound thirty or something. <laughs> he was just like, oh, so. Yeah, so it has affected things quite quite badly. I mean, you talk about inflation, you know, and it think it's it's a UK problem, whatever. It's not. It's everywhere. Um, it's the same with you know, can't they can't get people, they can't uh, hire enough people. Uh, it's the same in Ireland. Um, but yeah, there there's no doubt about it that their their reduced corporation tax rate did go a long way to towards boosting their economy. But having said that, you know, as we speak, Ireland still owes the United Kingdom billions. It still owes them a lot of money. So um, we hope they do well so they can uh, pay us back. But uh, but anyway, um, right, we were speaking in our last episode about fears, and we covered five fears that most people have when it comes to raising money. Um, and today we're going to talk about overcoming fears. But just very briefly, if you didn't listen to the last episode, go listen to it now. It's uh, a lot of fun, like most of our episodes are, especially at the beginning with the banter. Um and we covered five uh, fears. So we covered the fear of rejection, fear of failure, the fear of losing control, the fear of scrutiny, and the fear of the unknown. So what we're going to talk about now, uh, Nigel, is overcoming those fears. So I've spoken long enough. Nigel, would you like to address overcoming those fears and start off with number one, which is the old Boy Scout um, motto? Yeah, thank you very much, Ray. I'd be delighted to do number one. Yeah, so number one, fear re of rejection. And for those that have no idea what the Boy Scouts motto was, it was be prepared. Mm. Um, and this is one of the simplest ways that you can do it. We all know it. We all know it, folks. Um, fear of rejection is generally, uh, in this type of context, raising money, doing a presentation, people saying no, uh, and all the rest of it it's generally because you haven't be, got yourself prepared. And what do we mean by prepared? Well, you know, make sure you've got a, a solid business outline, plan, strategy. You've got some financial projections in there. You've got a clear understanding of your target market, what the, the target market wants, what their desires are, what their outcomes are that they want. So think about it, folks. Think about it. Have you prepared a decent summary? So you're telling people, what is it? How does it work? Why they would want to do it? Overcome some of their objections to it. And you then give them a call to action to say, this is when you should do it. So you've got a, um, a simple sort of framework. And uh, Ray's mentioned this before. But uh, if, if you're wanting help with it, if you're wanting our help with it, drop us a line. Hello at htrmoney.co.uk. Uh, and let's get together and let's see if there's a way that we can help you put these things together to give you a better chance of success. But that preparation, we've all done it. We've all done it, folks, where we've gone in and we know we're not prepared. Uh, we know we're not ready for it. And you can see every day on the TV with politicians when they are put on the spot about <laughs> something generally not to do with them and their department. They're just put on the spot for something else that's cropped up and you can see them fluster. And you know that we reject whatever they're saying as a lie uh, or, you know, what what is it they say? How do you know when a politician's lying? It's when their lips are moving. 
Um, yeah, and it's 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 that sort of thing. You know, politicians hate to be rejected. They hate to be caught out. Uh, and watch watch how they're doing it. If they're prepared, they're not too bad. If they're not, they they fluster and they bluster, and it comes across really badly. So, just think to yourself: when I'm doing my presentation. Am I prepared? Have I got everything? And remember as well, folks, how do people take in information? Some people like to read it. Some people like to listen to it. Some people like to see the visuals. So have you prepared something that ticks the boxes for that? Have you got some nice pictures? Have you got some decent diagrams? Have you got the statistics and the financial figures for those people that love that? And when you're talking, have you got a clear message? as well for those people that like to listen. So there's there's just a few things, be prepared, and that will help you overcome that fear of rejection. Yeah, always surprises me with politicians because they get media training. I mean, these guys are not just, you know, they don't just get wheeled out and told to get on with it. They get media training. I know because I've seen media, I've been in the room with media training programs when they, they teach them what happens if you get doorstepped, what happens if you get a question that you can't answer and all this. And you can see some of them are seasoned at it. You know, they never give the yes, no answer. They always, you know, oh, well, seems to me in this area of considerable uncertainty was a theoretical possibility of a theoretical risk. We should adopt a precautionary approach. You know, that is their standard sort of mantra to try and uh, de deflect any doorstepping uh, hack, shall we say. Um, it was interesting. The, uh, the, there was a thing in the last few weeks where I think it was five policemen went to a pub in Gravesend. Did you see this? Um, to to take possession of gollywogs that were in a display cabinet. And, uh, you know, most people felt that was a gross overreaction. You know, where, why are they not out catching burglars? You know, you try... You know, if you call a police car, you get nothing. But then somebody complains about gollywogs and they've got five policemen turning up. So they doorstepped some um, politician who it wasn't his brief whatsoever, but they doorstepped him with the question to sort of say, you know, do you think that's reasonable? Do you think it's reasonable that five policemen should turn up? And he just flustered and blustered. And it was like Keir Starmer trying to define a woman. You know, it was ridiculous. He just wouldn't actually say it, you know. I don't understand why he just didn't say, well, from a common sense point of view, it does seem a bit of an overreaction to send five policemen around to take away some dolls. Um, you know, but I don't know what was in the police's mind and I don't, you know, I'm not responsible for the police day to day running. It's up to them. You know, that that would be it. But no, he couldn't even bring himself to say that. But anyway, be prepared. So we're talking about raising money. We're talking about you being prepared. Um, and the best way to overcome your fear is to be prepared. OK, next. Thing I mean, is, I mean, then I was going to say, right. Is, on that. Uh, right on on that one there with the um you know a, a cabinet of i mean surely to goodness we've moved on from having gollywog dolls i mean they're, they're really that person should just someone should have just had a quiet word and just said you know come on come on well you're 30 years beyond that get rid get rid move well, well, on that's exactly it i mean you know They've been yeah. in a cupboard in a pub for years or whatever it was. Nobody seemed to bother until someone wandered in and then it became a complaint. But it, I think the, the, the issue was the over, you know, the overreaction by by the police, you know, the heavy handedness of, you know, it wasn't as if they were going to go anywhere. They're not going to run away or anything, you know. But anyway, it was about the politician not being prepared to answer a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they've yeah. had media training. You know, they should have been. But anyway, on to the next uh, overcoming fears. So another good uh, way to overcome fears is by networking, by building relationships with 
uh, with other people, especially potential lenders and investors. And when you get to know people who have invested, who've um, invested in companies, who've loaned money, that sort of thing, then they can tell you what's what they're thinking and what goes through their mind. Um, they'll always have a horror story. It's always best if you do find someone who is an investor or and very few people have a badge that says I am an investor or I have a million pounds to invest. You know, there used to be a thing called First Tuesday um, Club, which started off, I think it was the early 2000s. And it was uh, you would go along to these events. So if you were an investor, you would wear a, a name badge with the green button on it. And if you were a, a business looking for money, you would go there with a badge with a yellow button on it. And in the early days, it would be 50-50. You know, it might be 100 people in a room and it was about 50-50. But very gradually, all the investors buggered off. And eventually it soon became sort of 90-10. You know, 90% of the people in the room were looking for the money and 10% sort of had the money. Um, and that's probably because you know, they were just completely overwhelmed by people. You know, you are an investor. Yeah, let me tell you about my idea. You know, and they would brain dump all over you. Uh, I know because I've been there, you know, when I used to say to people, yeah, I work with Angel's Den, the highest number of high net worth individuals. Oh, well, I've got this idea. And then they would immediately go to tell you all about it in great detail before you could actually stop them. Um, so I did have a, a strategy for for stopping people, which which just involved me saying, hang on a minute, don't waste all your energy telling me, here's a card, get your, get your, um, get it down in writing, get it sent in there and we'll take it from there. But um but yeah, networking. So the more you can go to events, the more you can go into Zoom calls, the more you can get into chat rooms or WhatsApp groups or Telegram groups or whatever it happens to be. Um, if you are in there, then you ought to ask for advice. So if you're networking and you're looking for investors, ask for advice, because if you ask for advice, you're likely to get the money. If you ask for the money, you're only going to get advice. And if a deal is good enough, then an investor can say, well, actually, I'm quite interested in that. You know, um, I would like to know more about that. And then you can launch into your uh, pre-prepared uh, and you will have been prepared. So you can launch into your pre-prepared speech and give them the 30 second sort of uh, lift script to hopefully get to the next level. So uh, that's networking, Nigel. Yeah, that fear of failure, you know, it, it's very strong. Uh, that networking, surrounding yourself with people that are positive, that have dealt with things is is great advice, Ray. Um, next one, number three, uh, this was fear of losing control. And this is um, something that uh, you may think, this is my baby, this is my project, and they're going to steal it from me. Uh, those mm -hmm. sort of things. Well, I think Ray mentioned this in the previous episode. Um, some ideas behind this in as much as, okay, when you're setting up the deal, uh, there are ways that you can structure it where you, you know, technically can't lose control. Uh, but you've you've got to think of it. I think you've, you know, the overcoming the fear of this is all right, right. Who is actually in control of the thing overall or various sections? And do I need to be in control of everything? Do I need to be in control of the plumbers? Uh, clipping the pipe work to the underside of the floorboards. You know, do I need to be in control of that? Or uh, are we talking about, you know, uh, in control of the overall design scope and, and scale of the project? So there's different levels in here. Chances are you're not going to be the expert in every single area. So get comfortable with areas where you are not in control and talk to the people who've been involved in this. So if it's raising funds, raising money, 
talk to those people and say, okay, talk me through how it works. How do you see it working? Where does it go? Who has the final say? So um, on this sort of decision making, I'm happy for you to release the funds when it happens. So you're in control of you being satisfied that the project has reached this milestone. You're going to release the next tranche of funds. I'm happy with you having control over that. Are you okay if I control the build, the scoping, the project management, et cetera, et cetera? So I would always say work out where your skills are, what you need to be in control of, what you don't need to be in control of, and be quite happy to pass to the expert the control for that particular aspect of it. If you've if it's a huge project and there's a lot of people involved in it, then you've got to think to yourself, okay, it's the old thing. Do I work in this project or do I work on this project? Where am I? And uh, you know, you've you've got to sort of think to yourself, right, okay, what realistically can I control? What am I good enough to control? And what, if I was in control, would I make probably some very sensible decisions that would help the project? Where you feel that you've got a weakness, then talk to other people and say, look, you know, when it comes to this bit, I'm going to have to get an expert in to control that aspect of the project. But I think where people are worried is that they've got to prove themselves to be in control of everything. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. And they fear that, um, you know, they're going to lose, if they lose control of this, then they've lost control of that. And then the whole thing's going to go and it's not going to go how you see it, your vision, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Just break it down, folks. Break it down. What's the outcome you want and reverse engineer it. Okay. I need someone who can do this. I need someone who can do that. And then list out all the areas that you need to be in control of and then say which ones you're going to be in control of, which ones you're going to get other experts. Talk to then the investor and say, okay, this is how I see it working. This is how the control is going to do it. But ultimately, I have the final decision on design, layout, scope, whatever it might be. Um, and in, if the investor is happy at that, then they're going to be happy at that. I think, Ray, you mentioned on that one, investors don't, they want a quiet life. They want to put the money in and get the return. They don't want to stomp in and start taking over the build of a, you know, a property project. You know, that that's not their bag. Uh, they, they want to just lend the money and get the return. Where they can help, they'll help, but they want to work on a project they don't want to work in it. So don't think that everyone's out to try and pull the rug from under you and seize control. But uh, there are technical <laughs> ways that you can set it up where that would be very difficult to do. But as ever, as ever, work out what, you know, start with the end in mind, reverse engineer it and set it up in the best way that gives you comfort that you're in control of the bits. You know what you're doing and you have decent people who can control the bits. You don't know what you're doing. There you go. No. Okay, good one. All right. So um, the fear of scrutiny, how to overcome that and uh, in general, how to overcome uh, any fears is really to keep things in perspective. And I, I mean, I did say it before I said it in the last uh, uh, the last episode, uh, rejection is not personal. It's concept rejection. It's not personal rejection. And the way you can uh, tighten up the concept is to be prepared, as Nigel said earlier on, to be prepared to seek out advice, but keep things in perspective because quite a lot of investors might not be interested 
in your particular project for a, a whole variety of reasons that got absolutely nothing to do with you, you know, nothing to do with you at all. Um, I've met investors who've said, oh, I don't like that project because it's too far away from where I live, or, oh, I got involved in something similar in the past and we didn't make as much money as we thought, in which case I would say, well, can you take the experience from that and put it into this one? Um, and quite often they, you know, well, no, I'm, I mean, uh, you know, I'm spreading my portfolio, so I'm not going to be interested in that kind of thing this time round. But I will next time round. Or they may have tax reasons, or they may have all any other reason as to why they won't invest. Now, when we used to do the presentations face to face. Um, we would have investors fill in a form, basically, but you'd have a, a an A4 bit of paper for each presentation, and they would put their name at the top, and it would tell you what the gist was. And then all we would do is say, "Are you interested? Yes or no? If you are interested, you know, what would you like to see next? Where would you like it to be sent to? If you're not interested, please give us the reasons why." And so we would gather that, um, you know, we'd we'd try and gather that uh, information in so that we could learn and understand. And a lot of the time, yeah, it was, the, you know, I'm not interested. Great project, not for me because I'm going to be on holiday. Great project, not for me because I've just invested in this. Or great project, not for me because that part of my portfolio is taken up. Or great project, not for me, it doesn't have enterprise investment scheme allowance, which I'm looking for, or something like that. It would nearly always be something. Um, because most of the presentations, to be honest, when they got to that stage of presenting in front of investors, they were oven ready. They had ticked all the boxes. They'd overcome the, you know, the fears, the rejections, the objections, all the rest of it had been overcome. The time scale was right. The, you know, the, the project was was oven ready, as it were. So when someone didn't want to go for it, it was for a variety of reasons. Now, it could be argued that, well, for the best deal, you know, everyone will will pull the stops out and will make it happen. Uh, and that only happened to us once. When I say once, once in hundreds of presentations did we have a hundred percent take up in an idea or a concept most of the time it would be between 50 and 80 percent of the room or the number of people present that would be expressing an interest in it there was only once when we had it was a hundred percent so that that shows you how rare that is that every single person will want to go for it now quite a lot of the time because of the way we did these presentations quite a lot of the time people would mark down on their form that they were not interested then afterwards, when everyone was having a glass of wine and a nibble and having a bit of a chat, I had people coming up to me and say, look, I put on my form that I wasn't interested in you know, presentation number three. Can you change that? Because I've just spoken to the guy, lovely guy. You know, we've got so much in common or whatever it is. Um, can you change that now that I would like to uh, I'd now like to, to, to invest? And we had people changing their mind to invest because when they were chatting, they found out that both of their children played squash or or were in swimming teams or something, you know, ridiculous like that. Um, and, oh, do you know such and such? Oh, I know such and such. Oh, Ryan, lovely guy, nice guy. And then it all became a, yes, I've changed my mind. I'll now invest. But equally, sometimes it could go the other way around. You could say somebody was, well, I'm, I was interested in number one, but I've just spoken to the guy. And sorry, I've asked him a few questions and he, he, you know, he doesn't seem to know what he's talking about. That has happened. So um, it can go both ways. But keep it in perspective. Just remember, rejection is not personal. Investors may not be interested in a project for a variety of reasons that might have nothing to do with you, Nigel. Yeah, exactly. So that fear of scrutiny, Ray, it, it's a personal and a business thing. You know, do people like um, people looking back in their histories? No, but sometimes just bring it up front, you know, talk about it, you know. But as Ray says, keep that in perspective, folks. And 
talking of keeping it in perspective, the fifth one that we talked about in the previous episode was the fear of the unknown. And, mm. you know, it's it's that unknown that often holds people back uh, the most uh, because, you know, we've, we're sort of programmed to fear what we don't know. Fear the dark, fear loud noises, fear these things, you know, what's hiding around the corner. Uh, it's, I guess it's why horror movies, you know, delight in d setting up that thing where you go, oh, no, don't do it, don't do it. And, you know, probably the biggest thing is when you go, you know, you open the cellar door and um, there isn't an axe that comes out and splits your head in two. Uh, there's actually nothing there because... Um, I, I think that, you know, it's what we build up in our mind uh, about the the fear there of the unknown. Um, I mean, I've even got the kids who, who say, well, I'm not going through that door. So why not? Well, I've seen this on TikTok. There's something behind it. And I went, oh, oh for goodness <laughs> sake. Um, and what's the best way to overcome that? Well, the best way is open the bloody door and find out. Um, at the moment, folks, uh, there's a, a program on TV. I watched it last night. Absolutely hilarious. Um, and, and what a great concept. We are getting so close, so close to um, monkey tennis, I think, coming on TV, uh, which was Alan Partridge's uh, suggestion in the comedy show um, of, of the TV series, Monkey Tennis. We're getting there because we've now got celebrities locked in a basement in the pitch in the pitch black. Oh, I think for, I saw that. Chris for a hundred, yeah, for a hundred and eighty <laughs> hours, and there's a you kind of see people there that their fears are everything. Uh, so they put in last night. They put someone in. Um, who had to creep around. They had night vision goggles, so they had to creep around and they would just touch people on the back of the hair or something, back of the head, touch their hair. And people just screamed. Why? Because they couldn't see what was going on. If if the lights were on, they'd have turned around and gone, what do you do that for, you pillock sort of thing? And And sometimes when we talk about take action, it's almost like you just turn the light on and you illuminate all the things and all those fears that you built up because they've got a psychologist as well as, or is Danny Dyer the psychologist? I can't remember. Um, they've got Danny Dyer and another bloke. I'm going with the fact the other bloke is the real psychologist. Um, but but they, they are sort of talking about it and they're saying, you know, when you put in this stressful situation, your mind races and you fill in the gaps with what there is and but then when you click the light switch and you look at it and you go oh my goodness me is that what it was you know all of a sudden all those fears are, are gone and what was the action they just turned the light on so sometimes folks um your light bulb moment will be just having a conversation with someone and ray how many times have we um, over the years had something where someone's come up and they've been in a terrible situation, you know, they've stressed about it and all the rest of it and they're worried and they've sort of described the situation and um, you sort of go, oh, how long have you been thinking about this? Well, I haven't been able to sleep for three months. And you go, well, you do know if you just do this, that all goes <laughs> away. And they go, what? And you go, yeah, seriously. So, the, the secret for this is take action, folks. Ask someone, research it, 
you know, go talk to, uh, you know, a group, have a look, read a book, um, you know, talk to someone about this sort of situation, because the chances are your fears of the unknown, it's only unknown to you and to everyone else. It's it's a known and you certainly shouldn't be scared of it. So it's mm -hmm. it's just a case of getting that clear in your mind that, that you know, it, is it really a fear? No, it's a classic false expectation appearing real um, or the put everything and run, um, you know, on these things. It, it shouldn't be that. It, whenever you're scared of the unknown, you should be thinking, right, hang on, hang on. This this is a classic sign. I can hear mm -hmm. the sirens going off. I don't know it. I'm beginning to get anxious. This is the moment that I go seek advice or ask a question. Um, and so whenever you're in that situation, do it and do it sooner rather than later. How many times, Ray, um, do we see it at the moment where, uh, and this is terrible. This is a life lesson for all of us. People have had symptoms of something and they have delayed and delayed and delayed going to get a professional opinion on what it is and mm -hmm. out of those how many times is it something and nothing and how many times is it something more serious and here's the thing folks i know this is a terrible sort of analogy with it but if you notice the symptoms soon enough the chances of getting a good outcome are much much higher if you dwell on it and you're scared and you delay and delay and delay it could be uh, for a project like this for property or business it could be irretrievable you may have gone too too long too far without solving it and in your personal life uh, we've seen a number of people um who who've delayed seeking a medical opinion and sadly it's too late so there we go how right help me out here how the hell did i get on to um, you know, getting yourself down to the doctor's ASAP, <laughs> but, but that's it. Think of it, yeah, think of it on the medical side, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, you got to go to a GP, you know, you got to get an answer when you're on a project mm -hmm. like this. If you don't know it, you've got to have someone that you trust who could point you in the right direction. Both scenarios don't wait, act, yeah. you know, get out there, take action. Indeed, that's it. Okay, so uh, there we are. I've come to the end of this episode. Thank God I can hear you say. Um, we come <laughs> to the end of this particular episode about overcoming fears. So we talked about the five ways to overcome the fears. So the fears were rejection, failure, loss of control, scrutiny, or unknown. And the overcoming the fears is to be prepared, network, seek advice from people who've been there before, keep it in perspective, and whatever you do, take action. And right. if you're looking to take action... Hello at htrmoney.co.uk. Fire us an email with whatever particular conundrum you have, and we will get back to you. And uh, hopefully, we can put you on the right path. Sorry, now yeah. interrupted you there. You were going to say no. I, I was just going to say I think the medical thing is has just popped into my mind because uh, I'm of a certain age, and I, I'm now. Uh, I think next week I've got an appointment with the GP to have a, a checkup, and at the moment my brain is in overdrive as to how many things are wrong with me. Um, it's it's like a checkup where, where he, he asks you about golf. 
<laughs> yes, uh, just just lie on your side. I'm, you know, I'm I'm already tensing. Um, Did you see the golf? Yeah, but you know, it, it reminds me of of that when we get to a certain point, you know, things aren't right, and it's. I remember uh, having a car when I was younger. And you took it to the garage and the guy had a look at it and he said, the oil's fine. The car needs a change. Um, <laughs> and, and that's that's where my brain is at the moment. My body is is about to do the dirty on me in some way, shape or form. And, hey, you know, as I say, Ray, my ambition is to be immortal. And so far, it's going all right. Okay, excellent. Good. Oh well, and that. Um, well, I'm I'm someone that gets checked major checkups every few years. Anyway, I'm a member of UK Biobank, so uh, I get uh, a sort of minimal MOT uh, once a year, and then a major one every five years. And my five year one has been slightly delayed because of the whole COVID thing, but uh, I think it's happening. I mean, in June or July, so I'll be getting my full full body yeah. MOT. I, I regard you as the Monty Burns of this particular podcast. You know, um, for 163, you do look, you know, pretty average. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you can't fatten a thoroughbred, folks. Um, and that's what Ray is. Uh, there you go. Um, anyway, as this one spirals off into yet another <laughs> sort of bizarre twist, um, was it, hopefully, hopefully, folks, there was some useful nuggets in there. Um, for overcoming some of the fears that we have, whether it's uh, in general life or your business or property project. But what we'd really like you to do is if you know someone who's struggling with uh, some of these things, you can see it, they're anxious and all the rest of it. We'd love mm -hmm. it if you could share this episode with them. Uh, just go to your podcast player. There should be a, a little button um, or three dots. You should be able to share it. Um, spread the love. Sharing is caring, folks. Uh, and that would be great. But uh, yeah, that's it from me. I'll shut up and uh, and go uh, right. adopt the position. <laughs> and on that bombshell, see you next time. Bye. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. The website has all the useful links and underlying research, and you can get downloads of the checklists and other useful information. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?